Welcome to Point Two Law Review. I'm John Brandt. And I'm Carson Messersmith. We are here the week of August 29th, 2023 to September 1st, 2023. Uh, that would be right before Labor Day. I uh, had a class reunion with my wife's family. Did you do anything fun? Um, I did not have a class reunion, although actually that's odd because I'm, you know, I'm guessing a decade later, but I'm also Oof. at the cat at the class reunion phase. And yeah, those are always a tough one. I got to have, hang out with the family, be outside a little bit. It was a little warm. Uh, it was toasty. kind of melting. Yeah. Went, went to the state fair for one day. Hey, did you like some it? things you shouldn't have. Yeah, I always enjoy the state fair. I also I went there. The state Let's fair. see. They had pot stickers, which I think were a little new uh, for this year. What was your favorite thing that you had at the state fair? I always kind of have a, a pattern that I follow. I always get a turkey leg, usually followed by some nitrogen ice cream and or honey ice cream. I then um, go back for another meal, usually a brisket sandwich. Um, and then after that, I get a piece of strawberry rhubarb pie uh, with vanilla ice cream. And you wash it all down with some deep fried butter. Yeah, exactly. You know, your metabolism, enjoy it while you can, bud. You know, we do what we can. <laughs> also, uh, speaking of Grand Island, on the chicken rankings, uh, oh, yeah. the, I tried the blackened uh, chicken sandwich oh, okay, from Popeye's. I, it doesn't crack the top five. It's yeah. okay. Uh, the texture is so important. I like the flavor, but the crispy chicken sandwiches, yeah, you yeah. need that. And the, the ghost pepper wings, uh, be careful with those. That's all I'll say. Spicy? Yeah, they, they don't hit you as much. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. Let's do ex parte summary. And this is an ex ex parte because there's only one, right, Carson? Yeah, I think it's just me. All right. Um, so state versus Galindo, post-conviction relief, prosecutorial misconduct. All right. Let's get it started with uh, that case. Go ahead, Carson. Okay. And we this is an absolute whopper, which I guess is probably why the Supreme Court dropped it by itself. And it's going to be one where I'm not going to do it justice. When you have a 73-page opinion, you know, I'm going to 20,000, 30,000. How high can a plane go? 50,000? 60,000 foot summary. 30 is normal. Yeah, it's going to be a really, it's going to be double normal. So okay. it'll be a 60,000 foot summary. But uh, the, the essence of this case is that this is an appeal um, from a denial of a post-conviction relief evidentiary hearing by a Jorge Galindo who was uh, a part of the Norfolk bank robbery um, shooting that ended up uh, leaving, I believe, four individuals, um, or was it five individuals? Four bank employees and one customer. Yeah, so five individuals um, dead and um, ended up resulting in the death penalty for uh, three of these individuals. And so um, the the basis here and, and really the crux of this case, normal post-conviction relief for most of this, you know, issues with ineffective assistance of counsel um, and all of the things that we talk about a lot on this pod and, and just in general that come up um, in these cases. But the one issue that was a little bit different and I guess created uh, a little bit of interest for me, and, and it was pretty clear here at the Supreme Court, was that there was an issue of prosecutorial misconduct where the prosecutor for the state at the time that this trial was going on, and then maybe more importantly at the time of the enhancement hearings uh, for the death penalty, that prosecutor was being investigated for uh, drug offenses uh, himself and was having issues um, in regards to whether or not there were being 
plea offers that were being given because of uh, connections that were made in relation to these drug offenses, uh, potentially either getting favorable things in regards to this drug trade or, you know, getting favorable uh, testimony in regards to his own case from these individuals for leniency in these uh, Galindo matters. And so uh, that becomes basically the issue of this opinion um, that, that the Supreme Court tries to wrestle with here. And so what happens is there's a ton of discussion of cases from the United States Supreme Court, and this is an area where there is not a ton of case law. And so actually, you know, even with what our Supreme Court is wrestling with, you know, the United States Supreme Court has not given a ton of guidance as to what actually happens and when, you know, pro- this prosecutorial uh, misconduct creates some kind of personal conflict or issue. And the reason that this one's unique, and that's what our Supreme Court goes through a lot, is that this isn't per se a personal conflict of interest, but basically is this uh, conflict of interest or having almost a vested right in this outcome, is that something that makes this conviction void or voidable or that makes this enhancement portion as far as it goes to the death penalty uh, void or voidable? And again, this is a case where if you, you're interested in this, want to read this, you have to look at these this piece and just, you know, it's going to take a lot to digest. But basically, our Supreme Court says uh, that they, they find that no, there is not um, an issue here that is void or void, voidable. And so they affirm the district court. But there is a dissent here uh, that is written by, uh, I believe, Justice Papik that or a or a concurrence i mean from justice papik that uh, concurs in part and dissents in part and the dissenting in part is essentially that justice papik believes that on on appeal is the issue of whether or not there should have been an evidentiary hearing portion for this uh, post-conviction relief and again we talk about whether or not you're able to present actual evidence and have the opportunity to present that and that's where justice papik uh, disagrees with the majority and basically says here we don't know uh, if there's clear guidance on whether or not this is going to be a due process issue or whether or not this is going to be something that ultimately results in a reversal. But basically, there should be the opportunity to present evidence uh, to see where um, this con- whether or not this conflict was something that would have made the enhancement void or voidable. And so, therefore, uh, in Justice Papik's view and in the the uh, the dissent's view, uh, this is something that should have been able to be looked at um, and addressed as a part of an evidentiary process. So again, one of these issues that's you know going to be super super niche, but uh, very interesting case um, if that is an area of the law that tickles your fancy. Okay, and uh, I think that's it for Nebraska Supreme Court, right? I believe it is. Yeah, so which means I'm right back up. Yay, great! (laughs) All right, and so then we come to uh, In Ray Estate of Chess, and uh, here we have an appeal from two separate orders from the Douglas County Court um, that are in regards to the administration of an estate, um, and the. Uh, PR is appealing. And so the first order is when the county court removed the individual as PR. And then the second order uh, is when the county court imposed a surcharge against uh, the PR and also awarded attorney's fees. And so on the first issue, basically, the PR had uh, failed to timely file an an inventory in the estate, had failed to timely uh, file a couple other things, uh, had basically had issues in carrying out the process of the estate. And so um, the individual, the PR, uh, Richard, was removed, and um, that order uh, is entered 
and I don't remember the date, but it's entered prior to the second order. And so basically that order is entered, and then later we have an order where fees are uh, entered against Richard for basically failing um, to uh, maintain the estate property in an appropriate manner, and then also attorney's fees are awarded. And the interesting piece here, and it's kind of a a little bit of a, a new area of law, is whether or not that removal um, of PR was a final appealable order. And here the Court of Appeals uh, basically says that even though our, our Nebraska Supreme Court has not explicitly said it is, reading between the lines, uh, removal of a PR is a final appealable order. And so they find that uh, Richard, the PR, had waived uh, his right to appeal that because of the fact that he failed to appeal at that time. So uh, here's one where now we're getting kind of a, a bright line in a published Court of Appeals opinion. If you are removed as a P- as a PR, that is a final appealable order. So you need to appeal that at the time. Otherwise, uh, you waive any rights to that. And so then they dealt with the issue of um, the charging, the surcharge, and the attorney's fees. Um, and they affirm uh, in part and then remand in part uh, in order to uh, deal with the exact calculation of the surcharge um, for the failure to uh, deal with some of the estate property um, in a um, in an appropriate manner. Okay, I'm going to zoom through mine just so okay. we can hear more of there your, you your oh, baritone yay, tones. Yay. <laughs> I, <laughs> my sweet baritone. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, we don't have much to talk about uh, in these. This is a published uh, Court of Appeals decision, Scott v. Dorrance. It's a custody modification case. Uh, the couple had a custody case out of Iowa. They modified it or attempted to modify it once in Iowa, and then mom uh, moved to Beatrice or somewhere in Nebraska, and then father ended up moving um, to one of those uh, places. He registered the decree from the Iowa cases here. Um, the Iowa cases originally provided for joint legal custody with mom having primary physical custody. Once the custody case was registered in Iowa, um, the father filed for a modification saying, hey, we get along great. Let's do a joint physical custody calculation. The district court um ultimately said you get along well but there's still some bickering there's still some stuff that is going to not bode well for the best interest of the children for you guys to have joint physical custody so they denied father's request for joint physical custody but they failed the district court did not say anything about the allocation of health care expenses beyond the 250 dollars that's uh, already imputed into the child support calculations and the district court included language about reasonable and necessary expenses should be split between the parties pursuant to section 4212 of the child support guidelines. So when the court of appeals got this, they modified the uh, decree to include the healthcare expenses sharing that's mandatory. And then they reversed and vacated the portion of the decree that provided for reasonable and necessary expenses. Those are strictly for, you know, the joint custody kind of situations. And without that, uh, the, necessary expenses and reasonable expenses would be within the child support amount awarded. So um, they did a little modification there and then they reversed and vacated that part. And that is overall, that is Scott v. Dorrance. And that's the majority of that case. The rest was affirmed. Okay. Next case we come to is Cluck versus Cluck. This is an appeal from a dissolution of marriage in Colfax County. And the big issue here is whether or not two uh, tracts of real estate that were purchased during the marriage uh, by the husband um, 
for uh, substantially less than fair market value were uh, marital property or whether the difference in those amounts were marital property. And here the district court had found that no, they were a gift because the parents of the husband had sold him that property at a substantial discount. And therefore the difference between the property value at the time that the husband bought the property and what the fair market value was at the time of divorce was a gift. And so it was not marital property. And um, a big issue here on appeal was that a lot of it wasn't dealt with because um, it wasn't specifically alleged. And so the court was only reviewing for plain air. Um, and uh, therefore, they found no plain air in the district court's decree of dissolution and affirmed. Hey, that was a quick one. We got Bovol v. Quality Pork International. This will also be a quick one because it's work comp and I don't know very much about it. So I'm going to say something wrong. It's always good to preface that. <laughs> I, I'm glad we do that for the work comp folks. <laughs> I mean, just, they can never be mad at us. It's such a thing. And I don't know. I'm going to say something wrong. I just don't do it. It's so, a foreign language. Uh, I, I understand these kind of words. Uh, denied benefits for neck injury. I, I understand that kind of word. And then um, the employer cross appeals because there was an award of uh, rehabilitation for a shoulder injury in, in a former employee who voluntarily uh, quit. So after being injured on the job for something. So the uh, work comp person uh, denied benefits for the neck injury. That was, uh, and then the employer cross appealed for the award for rehabilitation on the shoulder. The uh, court here, the court of appeals uh, affirms the denial of the benefits for the neck injury. There's some discussion about rule 11 disc, uh, experts. There's some, you know, seemingly important discussion about that. Rule 11 for me is sanctions stuff, so I don't know uh, what it is in this context, but um, you know, I think they had a bunch of experts who disagreed on what was the appropriate uh, version and causation of the injuries, and the um, workers' comp um, individual who was deciding this, the, uh, the court there decided you know, to choose one over the others, and the reasons for that, I assume, uh, involve Rule 11. But regardless, if you're a work comp a world, it might be worth your time to take a look at that if you have something regarding Rule 11, which you understand, and I don't. Yeah, so if this is something that's like, oh, that's important. <laughs> hey, dummy, that's <laughs> Rule yeah, 11. You don't know Rule 11. 11. Yeah, that's a Rule, that's 11, a big rule 11 You should know this. Yeah, well, I don't do that, so there you go. Okay, uh, next case we come to is in the interest of Reina V and Jason W, and this is an appeal from the Juvenile Court of uh, Douglas County on a termination of parental rights. Um, and here uh, there were, um, again, kind of the, the same uh, factors that we go uh, through as far as um, statutory grounds, uh, 15 out of 20, last 22 months, um, and had been out of care uh, here for, um, and these individuals actually had uh, been out of the, the care for basically the better part of, I believe here it was eight years. Um, and so this had been a case that had, had gone on a long time where these kids had been out of, out of home and out of care. Um, and then most importantly here, uh, there were some pretty serious uh, drug issues basically from the time in 2013 when the, the children were removed um, and had hair follicle tests that tested positive for uh, methamphetamines, cocaine, um, and then also uh, cannabis. And so um, that 
all those things and in in the the eight years in between or almost 10 years in between um here mother had had, uh failed to be able to resolve those issues and so therefore uh, it was no longer in the children's best interest uh, for her to uh, maintain her parental rights and um the court of appeals affirmed okay that was some music a little music thing that i'll find a way to edit out i liked it though you might leave it (laughs) Let's leave it. Why not? Mistakes yeah. and all. Warts and all. We'll know, yeah, we'll know, yeah, we'll know if anybody makes it this far. <laughs> um, okay. So if you're still listening, you're let still us listening, know. Text us and say, what, what was the music about? Well, that was John not turning something off. State v. Green. Uh, this is a pro se appeal uh, after Mr. Green was convicted of terroristic threats and use of a deadly weapon. The allegations that he was ultimately convicted on involved him pointing handguns at two individuals. So um, he gets a phone call from, I believe, his sister saying, hey, these individuals are outside my house. He goes over there with uh, handguns, points it at the two individuals, says, you know, go away uh, in other language and uh, indicates to them that their presence is not required. So he says that uh, he was justified, and he argued in his closing arguments when he was pro se to the court uh, that he was justified in defending his family and relied on a defense of others' defense. That uh, defense was rejected by the district court. He was sentenced to 30 days to 31 days on the um, terroristic threats conviction and five years to five years and one day on the deadly weapon conviction. The sole assignment of error here was insufficiency of evidence, he says, because the safety was on on the firearms and there was no bullet in the chamber. I couldn't have been convicted of terroristic threats. Um, the Court of Appeals rejected that, indicating that, you know, it's it's in the part of the person seeing that. It's kind of a subjective standard. So they rejected that and they affirmed the conviction of and sentence of the district court. Actually, didn't really go into the sentence because it wasn't appealed. He only appealed a sufficiency of evidence. So that's State v. Green. Okay, next case we come to is in the interest of Nalini P. and Giovanni P., and this is another appeal from a termination of parental rights coming from the County Court of Scotts Bluff County. Um, and basically here, um, again, 15 out of 22. And then the issue and, and, and the facts here, actually, um, it, it does seem like uh, the parents had a lot of up and down and uh, visitation that were happening and times that would go positive and then uh, times that would revert back. Um, and basically it was just a situation here where there were issues with addressing um, a safe, stable and healthy living environment and being able to d- address um, some employment and substance abuse and domestic violence uh, concerns. Um, and therefore, uh, the 15 out of 22 met the statutory requirements. And then uh, the Court of Appeals agreed that um, the main maintenance of the parents' parental rights was no longer in the children's best interest. All right. Is that it? That's it. Okay. I'm sure you're familiar with peanut butter, right? Yeah, I've had it once. Maybe cream cheese? Yes, I am familiar with that. Other spreads? Yes. Nutella? Nutella, yes. Wonderful Familiar spread. Familiar with that spread? Yes, yes. Did you know, and I learned this today, Okay. Uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch has a spread. No, but that sounds but, tremendous. I mean, yeah, where do we get that? Uh, Walmart. I might just eat that with a spoon. <laughs> it's apparently available, and you can spread it on things. Really? Yeah. Wow. I know. Have you ever had cookie butter? Oh, dude. Oh, my. Yeah. Oh, Oh, I think that's like a Trader Joe exclusive, though, maybe, or something. like. I, I don't they, know. Can you get it on the internet? They have it at Target. Target. Okay, yeah. maybe. Wow. And you can make your own with those airplane cookies and oh. blend them up. 
I guess where I, I know where I'm going. Uh, although target, target at this time, well, oh. it'll take me about 16 years to get through that place. So the cookies, the airplane cookies, dip them in the in the uh, spread in the cinnamon toast crunch spread. Airplane cookies. You airplane know what? Cookies. Biscoff. Oh yeah, yeah. Airplane yeah, cookies. Yeah, airplane cookies. Yeah. All right. Um, let's go back to episode one. Listen to the disclaimer. Uh, that's point two law review brought to you by Anderson Klein Brewster and Brand offices in Kearney, Holdridge, and Minden. Anything else? I don't think so. All right. I want everybody to have a great week, and uh, we'll see you next week um, right before the big game. Yeah, let's not talk about that. We didn't even talk about Nebraska football. We got done with this pod. We didn't even talk about it. It's probably best not to talk about it. Yeah. (laughs) Same thing. New day. I mean, everybody's seen the movie. So, yeah. We deal with our pain. I'm past it now. Maybe. Oh, I did see uh, just moments ago tickets for the Colorado game at the 50-yard line, second row back. $6,000. Six thousand dollars. Six thousand. The cheapest ticket I found to get in the stadium right now is three ninety. So, Colorado must have. The state of Colorado must have woken up and said, "Hey, we got to go see these guys." I thought all the marijuana was supposed to reduce taxes yeah. to make things cheaper. For no, state it has not made us cheaper. All right, no. song's over. All right, that was it. Really, that one that that fast. It was a live version. Oh, I goodbye, like Jimmy that. Buffett. Goodbye, Jimmy Buffett. All right, everybody have a great week. Have a great week.